Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. Hey, 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 it's Josh Snyder coming back at you with episode 7 of the Bold Believer Podcast. I appreciate and thank you all, uh, whoever you all is, that's not proper, for tuning in today. And uh, I'm here in the studio once again with uh, my, my, my good friend and uh, fellow comrade and all other words that we could put in there to fit him. His name is... Talon. Talon, <laughs> yeah, he's in the studio with me once again. And we're going to be discussing a, a topic that is very deep. And I suppose I probably say that every week, but I hope that it's true every week. This topic particularly, you may find yourself wandering down the question, especially if you've seen the uh, episode title, what does it mean or how do I know that I am truly a child of God? And uh, so, so we're going to dive into some verses for assurance of salvation and some verses uh, right at the very beginning here as we discuss, first and foremost, what is the gospel? Because sometimes it's good to ask that question, right? Some, yeah. Sometimes people need to ask that question. You know, it's, it'd be a scary thing to get on the other side and to say, Lord, did I, uh, I did some good stuff. I, I prophesied in your name. I, I, did, I did some miracles. I saw some amazing things happen. But him look at you and say, I, I never knew you. Um, and that's, again, I, I, I don't like the thought of true born-again believers sitting in fear whether or not they're saved, because I believe the Bible also goes on to say and point out that these things are written, that ye may know that you have eternal life. We find that verse in First uh, John. And, it goes, and those things that are written are uh, the fruits of the Spirit being made manifest in our life, and the Spirit leading, and things like that. But uh, before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's start off with kind of the, the preface or the beginning of this question and really come back to what truly is the gospel? What does the Bible say the gospel is? What does it mean to have faith in Christ and to make that personal? I have a little lesson I'm going to be referencing that I wrote for a, for a Bible study that I gave weeks and weeks back called Two Feet Too Short. There were four men in the Bible that I'll be referencing here uh, from different passages of Scripture that fell two feet short of heaven. What do I mean by that? Some of you guys might know what I mean by that pretty quickly, but essentially they had the knowledge, they had the belief in the head, but they did not make it personal. They didn't take it to heart. They didn't grab hold of that. They, they believed, but they did not receive it. And so if you've got a Bible handy, uh, jump, jump through Scripture with us as we, as we, as we run around here a little bit. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 23 is the first passage we'll be in, and we'll read a, a quick story that uh, the book of Matthew records here. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he, uh, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? What am I still lacking? He asked Jesus. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, 
he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there were rich people that supported Jesus in his ministry. We see people who had owned businesses, people who had money. There was Lydia, the seller of purple. Back in this day, if you sold purple, you had something going on, like financially. Purple was a very royal color. It was a very expensive color. It was probably a very new color. I mean, we take purple for granted today because we got it all. We got, we got any color you want at the Dollar Tree, you know. But, but back in this day, things like that were expensive. And what, I, what I'm trying to get at is Jesus is not against riches. He is against the love of money, the love of money, or holding those higher than God. Because the love of money is the root of the all root. evil. Not yeah. money itself, but that love yeah. of that money. Yeah, holding it and putting it in the place of God. Some of you are like, well, I don't bow down to my stack of cash. No, but maybe sometimes our actions, maybe sometimes my actions show that I would value money or the love of it, or the, the gain of it, more than the things of God. And notice too, it said in verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, mm. and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So you see, it wasn't necessarily that, oh, he's a rich man, so he can't go to the kingdom of God. But Jesus Christ, being the Son of God, knowing the heart of this man, mm. knew that this man had this issue in his heart, and he said exactly what needed to be said. Mm. And, it, and it was revealed what was in this man's heart yeah. by yeah. him, or walking away, yeah. by not following Christ, because he still had a love for his riches rather than to follow God himself. Yeah, Whew. I can't add on to that. The next passage here we, uh, we're going to look at here as we move along, on two feet too short, head knowledge but not heart knowledge. Uh, Acts 24, 24 through 27, a few verses there in Acts. Paul says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him for the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Felix, one of the uh, lower rulers in the, in the land of Israel, probably hired on by the Romans, was... Um, examining and questioning Paul, who was in bonds for, for the faith, essentially. And, and Felix made this observation. He looked into and listened to what Paul said and believed, at least to an extent, so much so, he felt it to be true, he felt it to be sincere, he felt Paul to be an honest man because it made him tremble. He heard the truth, and it caused him to react emotionally. There was some reaction that took place, and, and he goes on to say something that is very sad. He says, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And we go on to see that his mind was on money quite a bit as well. He said he thought, well, maybe, maybe uh, Paul, to get out of this predicament, will pay me some money and I'll just let him go. And he never got around to the main issue. He may have believed in his mind, but he never professed Christ as Lord. And then when we also just look at our world, some people, maybe there's someone preaching the gospel and, and they believe it and they, they do fear and tremble. You can see it in their face. They're convicted over their sin. But yet, they say, I'll wait till tomorrow. 
Mm. I'll wait till the next. I'll wait till my deathbed till I go to Christ. I I love my sin too much. Mm. But we can't wait. We don't know what tomorrow has in store. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what day yeah. the Lord could require our soul. Yeah, today is the day of salvation. Yeah, we can we can go deeper down that road. But let's let's get back here. Um, Acts twenty six twenty seven through twenty eight. Just a couple of verses there. We see another individual, the third and out of the four that we're looking at, real quick, who had head knowledge but did not make it personal, take it to heart, so to speak. King Agrippa. Verse 27 says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. This is Paul speaking to King Agrippa. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Agrippa was a puppet hired by the Romans to maintain a certain area. He was a little K king, and uh, he was a Jew. And Paul asked him and said, you, you know the prophets. You know what they say. You know what the prophecies were about the Messiah to come. We know the details. And if, if, uh, if you're listening and you've been to a recent Bible study that I gave, I, I was able to um, give a Bible study uh, Wednesday, this last Wednesday from when I'm recording this, about the, the prophesied Messiah and, and the death of him to come. So like we see all through the Old Testament pictures that were painted of very clear um, indicating that the Messiah would die for us and be the substitution just as the offerings were in the Old Testament temporarily for the children of Israel. But King Agrippa knew the prophets. He knew what the scripture said. He knew what, what, what was prophesied to come. And he looks at Paul and says some of the saddest words that you'll hear, almost thou persuadest me. Almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost but lost. There are no almost believers in heaven. I don't want to say this to scare you truly if you are a child of God, maybe struggling with the idea of, of eternal security in Christ. But as we start this, I, the Bible does say to examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith or nay. Like We, are, we should challenge, uh, at least at one point, whether or not we look back and find Christ truly being at the heart of who we are now. If the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit moved in? Am I convicted of my sin? Am I chastened when I fall? Am I led to things of righteousness and truth? Does the fruit of the Spirit want to be made known in my life? There's many ways to, to discover Christ's action in our life and the, the Holy Spirit more directly acting in our life. Almost but lost. Let's get real for a serious moment. Where are you tonight with God? Where are you today with God? Wherever you're listening, where are you today with God? The almost mentality can be applied and considered in all aspects of our walk in life. To the unsaved, do you not only know but believe the truth? Do you not only know it, but do you truly believe it and receive that truth? And, and maybe the majority of people here listening to this podcast are true believers, are true people who Christ indwells. Is God not just your Savior, but your Lord? Like, is He your Lord? Did you make Him Lord? Did you, when you when you put your faith in Him, did you say, I am now free from sin and I'm going to serve you because you are now my Lord. I am no longer serving myself. That does not mean we're perfect, but coming back to that, we 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 now are prescribed in the Lord's army as that, that old youth song used to we used to sing in Sunday school, you know, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I mean we need to wake up every day and report for duty. I remember as a young man I started messing around with things I regret now more than ever. Even in the sin I felt conviction to that to the point that I remember crying with sin still in my hands. I remember finding myself in a position in my life back when I was uh, in my middle teens where I was doing some things, and as I was doing those things, I felt so convicted, even in, even in certain pleasure of this sin, uh, 
I cried in that moment. I also remember putting off repentance at times because I knew my flesh really didn't want to repent, though the Spirit of God pushed and prodded and chastened me all the way to that point. Though these passages lean heavy on almost persuaded to salvation, consider this. Have you been redeemed by God, but still haven't given everything to Him? Maybe, maybe with thoughts like, not today. I'll do it later. I'm too young to give all, to surrender all. I still want to experience life. I know I'll mess up again, so I don't want to give everything. Almost in God's will, but not. Almost where God wants us. And to anyone who isn't claiming the promises found in Romans chapter 10, 10, when it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want to challenge you to sit down wherever you're at right now, to kneel down, to stand up. I mean, bring yourself to a place where no matter where you are, you don't have to be in a church building, to confess Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Because scripture goes on to say, in that moment when you do that, thou shalt be saved. Like you're gonna be redeemed by the blood of the perfect lamb who died for us, Jesus Christ. The final person we'll quickly look at, and then we're gonna look at a few points to answer that question. Um, How do I know I am a child of God? Pilate, Pilate, when he was speaking to Jesus, and he asked a very crucial question. What is truth? And if you know the story of the crucifixion, And you know what Jesus went through when he was being examined by King Herod and then on to Pilate. And Pilate looked at him and and said, what is truth? When Jesus spoke of truth. Pilate was living in a day and age that I don't think was very much different than today in regards to some aspects. Truth was blurred. The lines were blurred. Uh, He didn't know what to believe. So many gods, so many things to serve, so much pleasure, so much money, so much things that would get in the way of trying to find any definite answers. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Pilate looked at him and said, well, what is truth? Like, what is truth? Little did he know he was looking right at truth. So close. He heard the words directly from the messenger's mouth. God in flesh, he heard the truth, he saw the truth, and he didn't even want to crucify the man. He said, this man is innocent. I find no fault in him. But he went on to try to wash his hands of the matter. Sadly, none of us, when we get to heaven, not even Pilate, when he physically washed his hands, can wash our hands from our sin. Because on judgment day, either we are covered by somebody else's righteousness, the person who was perfect enough to pay the price Jesus, or we are trying to make it in our own righteousness. And scripture goes on to say, you are just wrapping your wounds of sin and filthy rags. If you're going to try and be righteous through the law, then that means you can't fall short, not Mm. even once. Mm. Ever. And I think most of us, all of us, if we truly looked at our own lives, would find areas that we fell and fall and continue to fall short. Even as believers, even as children of God, something we talked about at the beginning here is the question then, if we are a child of God, why do we sin? You know, if the Spirit indwells, um, why do we still desire to sin? And are we still saved? I mean, we could look at some verses in Scripture that says, you know, be perfect and as I am perfect and things like that. And we could pull those out and we can sit here and talk about, you know, reasons why verbiage is used in those verses But we see many other verses that would indicate 
as we compare Scripture to Scripture, that would indicate that we have grace and we have chastisement of the Holy Spirit. We have leading of God's will because we are going to fall short. So if you're a believer struggling with your eternal security in Christ, if you truly had a time in your life, a place in your life where you made Christ your Lord and you, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that you did because you confessed Him as Lord, you the Spirit moved in, He started working in your life, the fruits of the Spirit started to come out like, once that happens, once once you look back and you see that, and Satan's still trying to whisper in your ear and tell you, well, maybe you're not. Maybe maybe you didn't believe hard enough. Maybe you didn't pray hard enough. These things are written, as Scripture goes on to say, that you may know that you have eternal life. And these things being um, everything in the, the book of First John that goes and talks about what you'll see in a Christian's life. I don't believe perfection. I don't believe we should abuse grace. What does Romans 6, 1 say? When it asks the question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer is God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So as a Christian, we can abuse the grace of God. We can. And we will probably at times. That is not a license to sin because God forbid. We should not. As children of God, we're called to a higher playing field. God indwells and we should desire. Our desires, children of God, should be to follow him closer and closer every day. And like... If you decide to want to abuse that, there will be chastisement oh, if yeah. you are a child of God. What's that verse say? And I know to that whom, just from my own experience. To Those whom the Lord ones. loveth, he chasteneth, yeah. and scourgeth every son he receiveth. That means you're going to get a heavenly spanking when you fall short. You know, if some of us look back to times where we got we got punished and whippings from our parents and things like that, we look back now as adults and we, we, we're thankful for them. At least many of us are, especially if they were done in love. And, and care for who we were. Well, someday we're going to look back and we're going to realize some of those little things that we went through that we would not choose for ourselves got us closer to God, steered us away from things that we should not have been in in the first place. God chastened us, and it was for our good. Um, we have a few verses here, though, we'd like to give to you as we wrap this up, and, and hopefully we've scratched, at least scratched the surface and, and given you some clarity in your mind that if you have accepted what Christ did on the cross for you and made that personal, he is your Lord. Even even if you're not the perfect believer that, that you feel you should be, understand that when, when, when you find yourself in sin, there is sufficient grace to cover that and you should repent. You should turn and agree with your sin about to God because your fellowship with God the Father can be stifled. And as the Bible says, along those same lines, that we can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. What does, what does verse 30 of, of, uh, of Ephesians 4 say? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That, I love that last part. God for Christ's sake. When God looks at us, he sees the blood of his son covering what, we, what we've done, our sin. And if it wasn't sufficient as, as believers, if it wasn't sufficient to cover everything that we've done, past, present, and future, then his sacrifice was not enough. And I believe it was enough when Jesus paid it all. I believe that with all my heart, based on Scripture, based based on uh, it, it just makes sense. There was no reason for Jesus to die if it was temporary. They could have kept going on with the sacrifice of bulls and rams, but there was a perfect sacrifice made, 
And now all those who believe are now covered under the blood. And that belief stems into action and receiving it and making it personal, making Christ Lord of your life. But at the beginning of that verse, it said, grieve not the Holy Spirit, because we can. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed. You're held in God's hands. You are perfectly um, promised an eternal salvation in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That life everlasting starts when you accept what he did on the cross and that gift that he gives that we call salvation. It's everlasting. It wouldn't be everlasting if you could just fall out and fall off the wagon. And though we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are sealed. Let me challenge you though, if you find yourself in some sin and it's causing you to wrestle against the Holy Spirit, and maybe Satan's taken the time and opportunity to, to give you doubts about your salvation. One, maybe examine, did you mean what you meant way back? But when you come to the place where you know that, yes, I did, or you make sure today, look that devil right in the eye, look that demon right in the eye and say, yeah, I'm a child of God. I am who Christ says I am. I am free. I am saved. I am I'm forgiven. I'm sanctifying. I'm being sanctified here on earth, but in heavenly places, I am perfectly I'm complete in Christ because of what he did and he did alone for me. I'd like to tell him to read Romans 8, uh, verse 28 through, uh, I'm sorry, verses 38 through 39. Nice and loud, please. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Who's the us in that verse? Who's the us? The children of God. Children of God. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he says nothing will separate us from God, essentially. But he goes into detail for our sake, I think, because he says, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing in this life, nor things coming up in my life, nothing supernatural, nothing huge, nothing small, nor depth, nor height, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we are inseparable from the grace and love that was given on the cross because of what he did for us. And I think I'm kicking this kicking this over and over again, but I want you to understand and you to know, listener, if you are a child of God, tell that lie from Satan to go back to the pit where it came from instead of sitting there unsure and wandering in, in your doubt. If you know for sure that you meant what you said when you said it and you believe and you make Christ as Lord, I believe with all my heart and based on scripture and the promises found in it that you are sealed, you are held. Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. And if something could separate you, that verse would not be there. We are secure in Christ. There's another verse here I'd like to have read, and I think it'll it'll be an encouragement to you, especially as we uh, try to just give you some ammunition here. This next verse is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Mm. We purchased ourselves a spot in heaven, and we didn't purchase it. Christ purchased it. We received the gift given to us. And the earnest of that eternal life that he gives us, the earnest money that we get to show us that we have that promised gift of salvation and eternal life, is the Holy Spirit. And so as a Christian, 
Holy Spirit's going to move. Holy Spirit's going to lead. Holy Spirit's going to guide every single day. Don't think that anything is too small or too great for God, God in the form of the Spirit, to work out in us. We are sealed in Christ, and the Holy Spirit's there to make known that we are sealed. We can grieve Him. We can push Him back. We can quench Him. But He's still there. He's holding, he's holding us. We're not holding on to Him. I guess if, we, if, we, if it was within our power to hold on to Him, we'd be letting go many days. Thank God for the power of His grace that is sufficient. We got another verse here, and then we'll close this up as we uh, bring it down for a landing. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, Mm. but ye are justified Justified. in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Mm. So my friend, I, I have a question for you. Have you been washed? Have you been sanctified? Have you been justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God? Amen. And if you have, if you have been washed and you're sanctified in Christ, if you can say, yes, that I, I, I know I have, though Satan still comes around to try, to try to toss some doubts in my head, you can look him confidently in the eyes if you could see him, you know, act, act like he's standing right there and say, I'm a child of God. Why? Well, there's some promises that I'm given in Scripture. And if you want to get those promises again, go back and listen to some of those verses and write them down. And whenever Satan wants to remind you that, oh, you're not perfect, you look at him and say, well, I'm sanctified. Oh, you're not perfect? Well, I'm justified by the washing of the water of the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I I hope we've been able to answer this question and give you um, some clarity on this. Again, if if there is some doubt of salvation and truly you don't recall the time making Christ Lord of your life, do so today. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be in the right setting. Right now is the day of salvation. And if there was that time where you made him Lord and and Christ moved in 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 the form of the Holy Spirit, God moved into your life, and he's led and he's guided and Satan now comes up comes around the corner and when you're when you're down or you're feeling bad about yourself or you you wish you were perfect and tells you well you're not a Christian Christians would never do something like this well first and foremost repent if you're in sin agree with God about your sin and turn towards him give it to him it's covered let it go out of your hands and then remind him remind yourself the promises of God found in scripture of how we as children of God are just that. We will never be plucked out of his hands. Nothing will separate us from that love as children in Christ. And it's not that we keep ourselves, but we're being kept by him. Amen. He'll keep us all the way until we cross over and it's our time to go by the undertaker or the uppertaker, whether the rapture happens or, uh, you know, the undertakes us. undertaker takes us and we uh, find ourselves in eternity. And you can be sure these things are written that you know or that you can know that you have eternal life in Christ Jesus, those who believe on his name. Belief isn't some loose word that we throw around, though. Just remember that. And as, This is the last thing I'm going to say, and we're going to wrap this up. Belief isn't just some loose, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I believe, just like Agrippa believed, just like Pilate believed. The belief needs to take action in your life. The belief needs to take root, as we see uh, in the, the parable of the sower. That belief needs to take some root. 
and to, to pr- produce something to show that the Holy Spirit is there. Otherwise, it's just head knowledge, and you are two feet too short from heaven. What a sad day that would be if you ended up on the other side and you were just almost, almost persuaded to be a Christian, almost persuaded to be a child of God. You had the head knowledge. You maybe thought it was good. You agreed with it, but you did not receive that as your own. So make sure to examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Hmm. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. Hmm. Walk this life for Christ, not because of what others might think or see or do, though we should try to be lights and witness to people around us. Our life should be walked out because it is what God desires and it glorifies Him and it gives the Creator of the universe joy and pleasure in His creation and in our lives. And in that, we find blessing, we find fruitfulness, we find that abundant life that Christ promises. Hey, you guys have an amazing day. Thanks for joining again for another episode of the Bold Believer Podcast. Please uh, share, subscribe, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if this has been some help, um, really consider sharing it with a friend. Help us grow as we learn and grow together. And uh, so this is Josh Snyder signing out. And this is Talon Art. Yeah, yeah. Signing out for episode seven of the Bold Believer podcast. Go out, make your faith more bold. God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.